0: You're listening to Voice
1: America Health and Wellness.
0: Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good
2: afternoon everyone and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Our focus this month has been on Recovery Month. This is SAMHSA, which is a substance abuse Use Mental Health Services Administration's month to dedicate awareness and um, information about the fact that recovery from both mental illness and alcoholism and drug abuse are not only possible, but often uh, more reality than we tend to think. The media tends to portray uh, people with mental illness or people with substance use disorders in a negative way, and we tend to really glamorize the illness, as opposed to the recovery. Um, if you want to think about um, some of the, the shows that are that are currently being um, offered, um, in terms of there's a show on that really kind of looks at somebody in the throes of their illness, and we don't really get to see the recovery part of it. And I think it's important that we know that one in ten people in America or one in 8 people in America are affected by some type of substance use disorder. We know that um one in 4 people are affected by a substance use disorder, which means they they're living with someone who has a substance use disorder, they're working with someone who has one, they're good friends with someone who has a substance use disorder and they've been affected by how that illness has manifested itself in in their friend, their loved one or their their uh, coworker. We also know that um, among 18- to 25-year-olds, the prevalence of uh, severe mental illness is about 18%, and uh, we know that mental illness can happen to anybody regardless of, of their age, their gender, their background, their race, or their ethnicity. We know that one out of four people in from the ages of 18 to 24 report having a mental illness. So um, I would like to encourage anyone who's there who's listening who is in recovery or wants to talk about recovery, a call-in. And um, so we can really shine a, a really good light on what it means to to be in recovery and how is that possible when when mostly what we hear about are literally um, the train wrecks. You pick up the paper and you see who's been arrested for, for selling drugs, who's been arrested for DUI, but we never get to celebrate or even really um, acknowledge when someone's in recovery. So... Um, we also know that recovery um, with from any chronic illness is a process. It's not a destination, it's a journey. and uh, recovery, when we think about it, it begins um, oftentimes before um, people even stop drinking or stop using drugs or before they take their first medication. Recovery begins with hope and recovery begins with the fact that I really, I'm uncomfortable with where I'm at right now and I want to do something to change. And I think that recovery is really important when we think about it from a provider's perspective because oftentimes we get too focused on the symptoms of the illness and we don't focus on the symptoms of recovery. We don't support the symptoms of recovery because we're too busy trying to fix the symptoms of the illness. Um, For example, if we If somebody is really depressed and they're not able to get out of bed to go to work, but they're able to get out of bed to get their kids to school, we focus on the fact that they can't get to work as opposed to the fact that they're able to get their kids to school. Um, If somebody has been um, in the throes of their substance use disorder, if they're, they're drinking and they get thrown out of treatment, we focus on the fact that they're, they're drinking and they're denied treatment, but we don't focus on what's happening with the individual that's causing the stress or the, the triggers that are leading someone to, to use alcohol or drugs and thus provide treatment for them. So um, I would really like to encourage anyone that would like to to call in um, and discuss this whole idea of recovery with us. We also know that um, recovery often happens over the course of a lifetime that that especially people with mental illness or people who experience substance use disorders, they may have long time of using, uh, of being relatively stable and substance free and then something will happen and it will trigger an episode of illness. And that we know that this is true with other chronic illnesses, be it diabetes or hypertension or um, arthritis. We know that any chronic illness is just characterized by the fact that sometimes people are going to have symptoms of that illness and that there's no cure for that illness. A a chronic illness, in the, the definition of it is that there is no acute cure for that illness. So it's really important for people to understand that when someone has a brain disorder, be it mental illness or substance use disorders, that um, that they they don't see and blame the person for for having symptoms of their mental illness or having symptoms for their substance use disorder. That it's part of the the cycle of any chronic illness, and that at this point treatment can be very effective. That when people are able to um, access treatment uh, outcomes are, are relatively uh, good for people with substance use disorders. They're, they're as good as they are for people with diabetes or for hypertension. Um, and we know that treatment can work and that treatment is effective. We also know that treatment means more than one episode of care. We know that the longer somebody has access to treatment, the better the outcome is. And we also know that and at least in America, we really are looking at a short-term easy fix for, for addiction and for other chronic disorders as well. And thus we often set people up to fail just by the nature of um, our, our own bias and our own interpretation of what treatment should be and what the outcomes should be. That the fact that somebody can um, go to work and still have relatively significant symptoms of their mental illness, that's a good outcome. But oftentimes we focus on the fact that they have to be symptom-free, and that's the outcome. The fact that someone can um, can make a contract and not drink and drive, the fact that someone can uh, learn to get up in the morning and go to work and pay taxes, those are all good outcomes, even if... They haven't completely stopped their alcohol or drug use because we know that things are. Um, we know that that those outcomes are all very positive. We also know that medication can assist with recovery, be it from mental illness or substance use disorders, um, and that that's really <clears throat> that. We also know that medication is a very effective tool for for the treatment of substance use disorders. Um, I would like to once again encourage people to call in. We would like to hear uh, other people's experience with recovery, other things that are happening that focus on recovery. Um, Certainly I would like to invite anyone to call in who's out there and who is listening. Um, In terms of recovery from mental illness, we know that one of the most effective um, things that that happen with um, people in recovery is to have social acceptance, that there's there's a lot of stigma around mental illness, there's a lot of stigma around addiction, and being able to um, support someone and to treat them as quote-unquote a normal human being is crucial to people's recovery. We know that only a little more than half of young adults who know someone with a mental illness believe that treatment can help people with mental illnesses lead normal lives. We know that people believe that addiction treatment doesn't work. We know that um, only a quarter of the young adults between the ages of 18 to 24 believe that a person with a mental illness can eventually recover. There, our culture is just embedded with stereotypes and stigma that really prevent people in recovery from coming forward and acknowledging it. it. It helps to keep people sick. Our system is designed so that people are supported while they're sick, but not supported while they're in recovery. And so we tend to get things a little backwards. Um, I think that it's also important to understand that um, that people will recover either from mental illness and addiction, in an environment where that recovery is believed in and supported. So if you know someone with a mental illness or you know someone with a substance use disorder,
3: believing that they can
2: recover and communicating that to them is very effective in helping them believe in themselves. And it's also one of the crucial things that people will tell you when they are in recovery, that early on someone believed in me, somebody walked the path with me, and that's what made the difference. And um, and it's just so important to know that those relationships that we build early on in someone's treatment are really can really make or break the outcome of that treatment. We know that there are people um who are able to um, excuse me effectively uh treat their their depression treat their anxiety disorders um Without hospitalization, we know that people can get treatment in a, as an outpatient through their primary care physicians. There are there are many doors to treatment for both mental illness and substance use disorders, and there's no wrong door. We also know that um, that two thirds of Americans believe that treatment and support can help people with mental illness lead normal lives. But we don't fund programs that treat mental illness or, or substance use disorders. It's important that we understand that as consumers, more and more, as insurance providers stop providing behavioral health care, they do provide, they, they, they kind of limit the number of bed days that someone can have that have a mental illness or a substance use disorders, that brain diseases are carved out, and that puts more, weight, if you will, on the public health care system, which in turn, um, that's our public taxes going to help people with substance use disorders and mental illness, which they should certainly be contributing. But right now the public health care system and and the, the criminal justice system are by far subsidizing the treatment for mental illness and substance use disorders in our country. And we'll take a break and come right back.
0: if you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office you need the all-new ozone light it's as simple as changing your light bulbs the ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb it screws in most standard light sockets but it's not a normal light bulb it's coated with titanium dioxide it's completely safe but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria mold spores and neutralizes odors just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb if you have smokers if you have allergies if you have pet odors mold or mildew you need the ozone light it will wipe them out and you have our word if you are not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home simply return it for a full refund here's the number to call to order
1: 800-380-4259 800-380-4259 save up to 100 now 800-380-4259 800-380-4259
4: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders.
1: A fresh look at today's health, Voice America Health and Wellness
0: Welcome back, everyone. Um, we're talking today
2: about recovery and uh, recovery from mental illness and recovery from substance use. And during the break, we had someone call in. Um, Bill is on the line who's been listening. And Bill, can you tell us a little bit about your concept of recovery, what that means?
3: Uh, sure, sure. Recovery to me means um, um, a new way of life free from alcohol and drugs and an independence that I wasn't experiencing um, before I got into recovery.
2: From from your perspective, is is recovery just about like stop stopping the drinking and stopping using drugs, or is there more to recovery than just stopping?
3: Oh, there's a lot more to recovery. Uh, at least um, my experience has been uh, recovery for me when I when I got into recovery. Um, it actually opened up. Um, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of life that uh, was totally unimaginable to me at the time. Uh, it gave me the ability to uh, learn more about myself and others and, and to be able to help myself um, participate in society and, and there was a lot that came along with just putting down the alcohol and drugs and, um, and just trying to become a better person, Um, so recovery is filled with a whole bunch of things, Um, the spiritual part of recovery, uh, the being, the part of just being able to uh, develop relationships with people that I wasn't able to do before, so there was so much uh, more than just putting down the alcohol and drugs that uh, that I didn't expect to to occur that did, and I'm very grateful that it did and, and continue to be grateful for that process of being able to build relationships with people and 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 to learn a better way of life from your perspective, what
2: is that that you think that keeps people quiet about their recovery? Why do we hear so much more about people who are actively using and 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 in trouble than we do people who are as you as you are describing that are having wonderful lives and great experiences
3: well i think um, I think it's because of it being anonymous number one and number two is I think uh, for myself and I'll speak only for myself is that I like it to be, um, I like being quiet about it uh, because of the stigma that comes along with being an alcoholic um, and the uh, fact that uh, what you always hear about is, uh, you know, the relapses and the negative things about people trying to be in recovery so for me, being quiet about it and and just being able to go about my life and to help others uh, in in ways without having to broadcast it has been, I think, a lot more beneficial and a lot more positive for me, you know, as I speak for myself.
2: Have you ever seen, um, what kind of like stigmatizing or discriminating things have you seen Um...
3: Well, I can tell you that uh, you know, for when I when I first got uh, into recovery, um, I was uh, working in an environment where um, it was sales and management, and and it was a lot of whining and dining going on, and um, the, so one of the things that I had a tremendous amount of fear about was that if I was to let my colleagues know that I was in recovery, you know, I would have been labeled as oh this. Guy doesn't drink anymore, and and um, and I, you know, I had seen what and heard conversations of what had occurred to an, another individual who worked for the same company. You know that we were kind of like uh, outcasted in the sense that we were, I felt like I wasn't a part of that group anymore, and almost like they didn't trust me was what I was experiencing
2: you know it's it's interesting because being um an alcohol and drug abuse counselor, what I experience when I tell people what I do is especially if I'm in a social situation, they become very uncomfortable
3: mm-hmm. um
2: that they don't want to know anything about what is what does an alcohol and drug abuse counselor do, and most of the time they either begin justifying why they're drinking or they just walk away you know that it's it's really it's it's interesting to see how uncomfortable people are with um the whole concept of of drinking and and doing drugs.
3: Yeah, right. And I think uh you know, in in just in my own conversations over the years that I've been in recovery, I think a lot of times uh people didn't want to talk about it is because uh a lot of times they were seeing themselves in the mirror um and or or someone that was near and dear to them and so it was a discussion that they just would want to rather avoid than than talk about it.
2: What has your experience been with the, the whole the whole concept of like relapsing and um, you know the the struggles that, that sometimes people go through in their recovery?
3: Well, yeah, uh, I personally um, haven't um, uh, relapsed, um, but it's a yet for me. Which, in the terms of uh, for my yet meaning, uh, you're eligible too. But I have known uh, many people who have relapsed, and relapse is a part of recovery. Um, for for a lot of people, um, and um, it's um, unfortunate that it happens. But in a lot of cases, it it uh, it makes the individual um, much stronger. I've seen, uh, and it gives them a better foundation in their recovery. It was just it just something that um, uh, needed to take place for that individual, for them to totally surrender to the disease of addiction.
2: When we um, when we talk about it being a disease, can you talk a little bit more about that as opposed to just something people do to themselves?
3: Well, I I I believe that it's a threefold disease. It's it's physically, spiritually, and mentally. And and uh, and in my particular case, um, the physical aspects of uh, of of alcoholism for me. You know, I was thirty two years old, and and I had already uh, experienced uh, alcoholic hepatitis. Three times, and I had fatty liver and uh, beginning stages of cirrhosis. If I had continued to drink, uh, and the spiritual aspect of it uh, was the fact that um, I believe today, knowing you know what I know today and experiencing the the quality of life that I've been living, that when I started drinking, um, of course, let me say this: before I started drinking, uh, you know, I was. Um, a young adult Catholic who went to Catholic schools and an altar boy, and and you know and, and was doing all the right things. But when I picked up the drink, um, you know, I look at it now. My spiritual beliefs and my my values system, everything just seemed to uh, go to the wayside. And priority became booze, so the physical and aspect part of it, and of course the the mental part of um my illness you know was that I was becoming depressed and and uh suicide was becoming inviting to me in my mind uh you know things like please don't let me wake up tomorrow you know uh or the bridge was looking inviting, you know, or drive my car off a bridge or or into a a tree you know so but for me, it's a threefold disease—physically, spiritually, and mentally. I,
2: I think that um, so oftentimes, when we think about people in recovery, you know, we think about um, well, oftentimes, as you said, it's it's anonymous. So, so we either don't really acknowledge it when people are in recovery, or it's something that it's kept to themselves. And we know that the more that that, like, if we if we look at HIV, AIDS, or we look at breast cancer. When people said, you know, we want to stop dying of breast cancer, we want to stop dying of HIV, we demand that you do something, that's when um, the research developed, that's when the treatments developed, that's when there became social acceptance of it. And I'm just wondering if you think there will ever be a time when people in recovery will want to stand up and say, hey, you know, we don't need to die anymore.
3: Well, I hope so. And, 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 you know, I, I would... I would have to say that there you know there are some positive things out there that you know in regards to the successes of of people in recovery and I would I would love to see and hope to and pray that uh, someday it would be um more acceptable and not that it's not acceptable but at least a different stigma on the fact that being an alcoholic um you know will that happen I don't know when that would happen or how it would happen but I think um the more people who who speak up about um, their alcoholism, uh, the more the awareness gets out into the communities, uh, the better off we be. Like this being Recovery Month, um, is making it a lot more aware to people, um, it, you know, in in the community. And I can also say that just my own experience with my family, and I come from a large family, and and you know, looking at what they saw happen to me has. Um, uh, changed the, fam- the family dynamics and, and how uh, drinking uh, occurs in my family, which is hardly anything compared to what it was like uh, 25 years ago. You know, so I think the more the more we can make it aware, I think the more it will become acceptable as time goes on.
2: Did your family resent your recovery in the beginning? Did, uh, they, did they feel threatened by it?
3: You know, I, I they weren't threatened by it, uh, but I think. Um, they were somewhat because i i I actually um, held it pretty well because I was one of these guys who would stay away from my family um i I would see them you know once a year or something to that to that time frame um during the during those last few years that I was uh, my 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 disease was really progressing uh, so you know they they knew I drank a lot but they, did, I don't think they really truly understood that I was an alcoholic. But I I will say, you know, I can give you a perfect example of how the family dynamics changed. When I was a young man, when the family got together, I come from a family of eight. And when the family got together, every one of my brothers and my brother-in-laws all came with a cooler of beer for a family gathering. And so it was common practice for us to sit around and drink and, and laugh and have a good time. And, of course, at the end of the night, there was always one or two who, ended up in an argument because of the drinking and and that was the way it was to be for many years and when I got into recovery and as my family started to understand about alcoholism from just the uh, questions that they were asking me over that first year or two I started to notice over over the next 20 years that each time the family got together there was a less there was one less cooler and another less cooler every year and to this point now where there's You go to a family gathering, there's no coolers.
2: There's no coolers. That's a wonderful testimony to the fact that um, recovery is not only possible, but it's contagious. So we'll be right back after this break.
1: You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Um, in our last segment, we were talking
2: with Bill, who called in to share with us his experience with recovery and his own uh, diseases of alcoholism and drug addiction. <clears throat> um, and we have, I think we still have Bill on the line?
3: Uh, yes, I am.
2: Okay. Um, thank you for returning. I What's just that? Heard a click. I just heard a click. Did anybody else join us? Not yet. Okay. All right. Um Bill, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now for work? You had mentioned that you were in sales and before.
3: Yeah, I was in I was in sales for you know most of my life, and um, now I've gotten into working um, in the field of um, working with uh, individuals with uh, substance abuse disorder, substance abuse, and, and um, mental illness. And
2: how did you? How do you find working in the field as can? Com- Compared to being in recovery from the field, how, how do those two relate?
3: How do they relate for me? Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Well, um, when I was um, in recovery, it, I found it to be extremely rewarding for for being able to help someone um, when when someone reached out for help, someone that was new coming in and needed um, some support. And I found that to be true, even in working in the field, I find it to be. Uh, challenging, but also very rewarding to see uh, an individual come into treatment and and reach um, um, another point, um, you know, in their life where they start to the recovery. So it, it's it's very re- 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 rewarding in, in all aspects of what I'm doing.
2: Do you think people can get their recovery through work?
3: They can get their recovery through work?
2: Yeah, no, think- I
3: think it's, um, I think, I think there's a, maybe a little part that they could get because of um, the remember, remember wins that are occurring when you're, when you're working with individuals, but I think an individual still needs to, to uh, continue having their own um, program uh, for their own um, recovery, you know, to continue their uh, going to their meetings that they were going to and continue to work the steps and, and to, to have their own separate program.
2: Can you give us an example
3: of um what you do? Uh yeah. What I what I was originally doing uh and it's kind of changed over the years. Uh I did a lot of uh, volunteer work and when I first originally started doing anything uh was I did arts and crafts which at that point in time I didn't know anything about <laughs> arts and crafts but I did it just uh because I had some free time and I and I you know realized um how how it made me feel, and it made me feel full of joy, and that I was, you know, doing something that was helping others, and, and it was making me feel better. So, in some senses, it was it was a selfish thing, because it was helping me with my recovery. And from there, I went into starting to um, uh, do a um, a self help m- meeting at night, uh, where we would talk about alcohol and drugs, a, a substance meeting, substance abuse meeting, and um, and from there, it just blossomed over the years into uh getting to uh getting a job in a treatment center where I was a residential counsel which was working with the individuals in the residential treatment center um, helping them you know make it through the day um, with their own personal recovery and uh doing groups with them about possibly relapse prevention or a men's group or you know, something of that nature, um, and also, um, you know, just going through the day of whatever whatever else was taking place on one-on-one uh, sessions. If the person was uh, had an urge to drink or wanted to go use, and just to be able to sit back and and try to discuss it and talk it through without the individual going out and relapsing. So that's kind of where it led me to.
2: Um, can you share with us an example of someone that you've worked with that's um been able to get into recovery?
3: Yeah, um I can. Um work with in, in, in the field or, or just in in you know, from, from the time I got sober? Oh in in your uh professional life. Okay. Uh, yeah, um I've seen I've seen several success um uh, successes. Um over the last couple of years with individuals who have uh, come in uh, you know coming in with um, um, you know a mental illness along with their substance abuse and um, having seen them come in uh, totally totally a beaten young man and and then uh, being able to complete the program and transition out into um, independent living and and seeing that person um, Get a job and and start to be productive in the community, or and, and seeing some go back to school and do very well in school. So there's been you know a few different uh, successes that I've seen in my professional uh, career, uh, along with in my own personal recovery, uh, seeing someone you know ask for help and um, and then trying to uh, help that individual reach a point of recovery and seeing some have that I've been involved with over the years um, maintain sobriety, maintain recovery since day one, which is an, a, a great success story for that particular individual.
2: And I think um, usually the people that we see in treatment are people who are coming for the first, second, or third time. And what has been your experience in terms of of people who are coming back to treatment? What is it like for them to have to come back to another rehabilitation center or another episode of treatment?
3: Well, it's, they they're they're very disappointed, frustrated with themselves, and have you know lost some uh, self esteem and some self respect, and and of course they're you know not sure if they're going to uh, be able to to do it. Uh, so to see them. Accomplish it is is truly amazing, and to see the, the the actual change that occurs from the time they come in until the time they leave, physically, you know, mentally, and spiritually.
2: Um, if somebody is listening and they're struggling with their own recovery, maybe they've just relapsed or they're in the throes of a relapse. What would you say to them?
3: Well, I would I would say to them to. Um, Uh, call for help right away. Uh, I would say call, you know, the um, hotline, Alcoholics Anonymous hotline, or if they uh, have relapsed and they still have phone numbers with them to call the numbers that they have. Maybe it might have been a temporary sponsor or a sponsor or just a good friend uh, in recovery that they just, you know, lost the connection with because of the fact that they relapsed. But I would, you know... Definitely encourage them to go to an AA meeting right away, uh, as soon as possible, and to get on the phone and, and call someone for help.
2: Um, in terms of looking for treatment, um, when people are embarrassed to go back, what, what would you say to them?
3: I would say to them to, um, uh, it, it's it's well worth going back to, and that um, it's it's something that it's a life and death situation, and. Uh, take your pride and put it in your pocket and 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 move forward yeah
2: and and that recovery is possible
3: it is very much possible yeah yeah
2: mm-hmm. i think that it's really it's it's really good to be able to to really highlight the fact that treatment works that recovery is possible that people can go into treatment the second third or fourth time and and that, that for most people that's usually their normal experience um I think I read somewhere that people need to stop smoking six times before they actually do it, and yeah. I think the same yeah. thing is true for for a lot of people who want to get sober from alcohol or drug use that it very often it takes two or three times because, as you said it 's a spiritual mental and physical illness, and it 's hard to treat everything all at once and it 's hard for people to grasp um, and and to get over their own. Their own shame and their own stigma about what it means to have this brain disease called addiction. That all of us have in our own mind what an alcoholic is, what a drug addict is, and and nobody ever starts out using alcohol or drugs thinking that I'm going to get addicted. Usually, people start out in a social situation, and they want to be able to use like the people around them, mm-hmm. and um, and and there's a lot of shame in being able to say, "Wow, I." I'm not like everybody else. I failed at this. I can't drink like everyone
3: else. Right, right. And, you know, and, and if you relapse, you just you just want to make sure you just keep coming back. You just keep coming back because eventually um, something happens. You know, it clicks and, 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 and you get it. Um, and I've known many, 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 many people. I can't begin to tell you how many people I've known that it's taken two, three, four times, five times, you know, for even even more than that for some individuals, but the fact of the matter is is that if you continue to try that eventually it will happen, and it does happen
2: it does happen and it's and as you said, your life is better now than you ever imagined it would be
3: oh I, 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 yeah I, i've I've been able to do things that I used to fantasize about doing when I was sitting at the bar stool, you know that I wasn't able, able to do because my paycheck was always gone due to the that I owed, you know, the, the dope dealer or I owed the bar bill or, you know, I just owed people and, and so I was never able to do anything other than, uh, and that was when I was capable of working. So, uh, to be sober and to, to be able to build that self esteem and that confidence back and, uh, to have a career and, and, um, to be able to live life, um, the way I'm living today is, um, it's unbelievable, uh, for, for a person like myself who, never thought it was possible uh, because I had lost hope. I had no hope, and, and I was given hope when I uh, went into treatment center. Um, and, you know, that hope has been with me since. Uh, that feeling of hope has not left me. And, um, and that's something that um, keeps me going on a day-to-day basis. Um,
2: because we're talking about SAMHSA and Recovery Month, um, can you just talk a little bit about how important was treatment you in your recovery and your treatment experience and the people there.
3: It was um, well the the when I went into treatment. First thing I I was one who who had never been in treatment before. Well, no, I take that back. I, I had seen a psychiatrist um, earlier uh, in my life uh, for a drug addiction. I was on a methanol maintenance program for for heroin addiction. But then years had gone by and I hadn't received any treatment. And when I did reach out for help, I I called the um, uh, treatment center and I went in and had an, an interview. And, and when I had that interview, it was the first time in my life, um, at least the first time I could remember in many, many years, where I had actually told, you know, not the whole truth, but some of the truth about how much I was drinking and drugging. And, and the person there was... Uh, listening and and when i finished that interview with that person i i had that feeling of hope that i spoke about earlier uh-huh. and uh when i was in treatment uh from then on i learned about the disease of alcoholism and and i also learned uh because i wasn't sure if i was an alcoholic so i, I admitted it but i and i accepted it and i surrendered to it uh during that process because of what i was Learning about, I learned that I wasn't unique, and that the things that were going on in my mind and the things that I was doing, I wasn't the only one that was doing those things. Many, many people were doing the same thing that I was doing. So it kind of made me feel that I was in the right place, and the staff there was um, uh, very supportive and very helpful to me. And they they had a uh, a lot of knowledge about the disease, and and they taught me a lot during that thirty days that I was there, along with um, teaching me uh, about Alcoholics Anonymous so that when I did leave um, that treatment center, um, I had a little bit of knowledge of of what to expect when I was going out into the uh, real world again.
2: I think that um, that's just a great illustration of the fact that treatment does work and how effective it can be. Mm
3: -hmm. I agree. I agree. Treatment does work.
2: Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, Bill, if, if there's anybody there with you?
3: Yes, there's, there's an individual here right now that's with me that would uh, love to share a few minutes with you. Okay.
2: I'll put and, him on the phone. And
3: what's his name? His name is John. Okay. Hold on. All right.
1: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We've
2: had a few technical difficulties this this week, but um, hang in there with us because we've got a couple people that are on the line talking with us about recovery. This is Recovery Month, and we have John on the phone who um, I'm not sure if most of you got to hear, but, um, John, we're talking about recovery, this being Recovery Month, and um, the fact that recovery is possible from alcoholism, drug addiction, and mental illness, and we were just wondering, you know, what, what your thoughts are on on all of those things?
5: well, I totally agree with all of that. Um, I suffer from mental illness and I have addiction to drugs and alcohol and when I first went to rehab, I was absolutely broken and um I did relapse and I just kept coming and I was able to pick up things that have helped me for quite a while now to be able to motivate myself and live a healthy, sober lifestyle and also control my bipolar disorder.
2: So for you, John, relapse was part of your recovery. Correct. And that that it required more than one treatment for you to be able to get to where you are now?
5: Yes, it required multiple treatments.
2: Right. And that just... um, when when it requires multiple treatments, what does that feel like from your perspective? Did, At did you first
5: feel- it felt like I was failing. huh. But I started to realize that each round I would pick up more and more tools and things that would help me to be sober and to get well. So really, I mean, I guess I just wasn't ready. I needed or- to learn more, educate more
2: or that it took a while for you to gather all those tools. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, do we have Daniel on the line too? Yeah. I'm not sure. Is there Daniel? Um, we do this via telephone, so I'm not sure whether Daniel's on the line or not. But um, we'll wait for him to click in. Uh, John, can you tell a little bit about if you were there are people out there listening from your perspective who have been in um, in treatment and they're feeling like a failure. What would you say
5: to them? Um, give it your best shot. Uh, I would definitely say that having a list of, of my gratitude was huge for me because the things I wanted to do that didn't involve alcohol and drugs and things that did matter a lot to me in my life. And holding on to those things definitely helped me to move forward. And
2: so as a result of um, your treatment and your decisions, where are you
5: now? What's your life like now in recovery? Well, actually, I've been asked that a lot recently. Um... I will have nine months on Saturday, and it seems like just yesterday I was in the hospital overdosing. But, um, you know, I just, I can't explain it except for the Lord's Prayer when they say, Thy shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. I feel like that's what happened to me between my choices and asking for help and just everything together. You know, it's unexplainable. I couldn't ask for more. Have things
2: in your life improved dramatically, or have they're, are they still just
5: chugging along? My life has improved in every single aspect dramatically, and it improves daily. Every day, it gets better and better and better. You know, I still have rough days, but I'm used to knowing how to get through them and asking for help and, just getting through that makes that a good day.
2: And you, you need to be really uh, commended on your, your uh, stick-to-itiveness and the fact that you do have, you would mention that you have bipolar disorder in addition to uh, drug addiction. And so it's kind of a double whammy.
5: Yeah. I used to think of it that way, but in the process of learning how to help both of those diseases, I've kind of become sort of thankful for what I do have oh. and um it's it's absolutely controllable, both my bipolar and my addiction, and learning how to control it has just made me a better person all around, so oh. I mean it is a double whammy, but it's also it's been a great lesson,
4: Okay, yeah, and
2: I think that for for a lot of people, being able to find treatment where you can get treatment for both together, I think that's what kind of makes it a double whammy is that oftentimes people get sent to one agency to treat one illness and one agency to treat another, and it makes it hard for the person to take, to, 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 they're kind of like a ping-pong ball going between one program and another. Right. Was
5: that ever your experience? or? Yes, it was. Um, I would be very depressed. Or manic. And I become very impulsive when I get manic and that's a red flag for relapse on the drug addiction. You know, my relapse of mania can cause me to relapse on drugs or alcohol and uh, when I'm depressed, I get a, a case of the poor me, you know, pour me, pour me, pour me a drink. That's what happens and, you know, just being able to recognize that is huge because now I know what to do. So recovery's are. made a huge difference in your life. Yes, recovery has made my life.
2: Yeah. And like Bill before, you're doing things now that you you're, you were only wishing to do a few years ago, right? Right. So recovery is possible, recovery works, and um, recovery is available if you need to do the legwork, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is recovery easy,
5: John? Do you find it easy? I don't find it easy, but it's definitely a learning process, and there's pink, there's pink clouds and there's black clouds, and then there's just days that are... It's good. It's a satisfactory, and, you know, you just have to go with it. And I've never heard anybody say that they got sober and worked to be a better person, being sober, and they don't like their life. I've never, ever heard that said. So, you know, it's just absolutely worth it to give it your best shot. Yeah.
2: From your perspective, how important was it for you to have um, a sober friend or sober people or people who were accepting of you to get into recovery?
5: Well, luckily I did have some friends that were true friends all along who didn't. Like, they drink alcohol, but they're not alcoholics, and they rarely do it. And having them as support in my family, and I surrounded myself with people from Alcoholics Anonymous and um, just people who were living sober lifestyles, and it was huge. You know, I I learned from almost imitating what other people are doing. And when I see these people living their life sober, it gave me more hope that I could do it too, that I could be like that. So as Bill was
2: saying earlier, hope is a big part of being in recovery or having recovery.
5: It's one of the biggest pieces for me.
2: And
5: how did you get it? Um, I think a lot of it had to do with Westbridge Community Services and my parents and just showing me the positive you know, traits I, I still have even though uh, I was so broken. And, you know, just because I was... Using drugs and having mood swings, it didn't make me a bad person, and just like feeling like people care and having them tell me, you know, kind of almost pushing me along a little bit, just
3: it gave me a reason to
5: believe that there's there's hope that I could get better. It made me feel like um, they wouldn't be doing this, you know, they have hope for me. I should have hope for myself, and it kind of just wore off on me. It was definitely a spiritual awakening because I wasn't, I was kind of agnostic before I actually started a real recovery of total abstinence from drugs and alcohol and working with my bipolar disorder. And, you know, now I just, the smallest things, sometimes I'll just say, you know, thank you to my higher power because, you know, great things go on and that's what I always hoped for when it happened, so also getting stronger as time goes on. So so
2: recovery kind of builds on itself. You have positive experiences and you feel more self-confident and you feel stronger and you learn more things and it just grows. Right. And that's a very hopeful message for all of our listeners out there that um, what Bill and John have been sharing with us is that recovery is a process and it's about continued growth. It's not about just not using alcohol or not using drugs or just taking medication for your bipolar disorder. There's a lot more to recovery than just doing those things. And I really want to thank you, John, and I want to thank Bill for calling in as well. Is there anything else you would like to say to folks out there on the
5: cyberspace I would just say, you know, give it your best shot and, you know, let people know what's going on and talk about what's going on with people who are close to you or just living sober around you. It's uh, a big piece to let people know everything that's going on because if you're not having any secrets, you know, it's a lot easier. Or if you're struggling and people know about it, they'll see it and they'll want to help you. Just the way it is, it's the way people are, so um,
2: have you had any experiences with sharing with people that you're in recovery? Do you find that comfortable do you do you find it uncomfortable do you do how do people respond when you share that you're in recovery?
5: I have actually used that as an icebreaker. uh we were supposed to introduce ourselves and go around to our class in psychology and you know tell something that nobody would forget how many
2: and what did you do thank you all for listening today Um, I want to thank John and Bill for calling in and kind of uh, making our program today we couldn't have done it without you I want to thank you all very much and we'll see you next week